Good morning, good morning and welcome uh, to everybody here on the patio online. Praise God we get to be together. Let's pray and we're going to dig in uh, to something that I have been so excited to share with you and show you. Father, I pray right now for you to make us sensitive to your spirit, make us aware of truth, help us to see beyond what can be seen in the moment. And I do pray for insight. Insight, Lord. Led by you, guided by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, a friend of mine got a phone call from a counselor. And the counselor said to him, I, uh, I am positive beyond a shadow of a doubt that a woman I've been seeing is demon-possessed. He said, it's never, ever been this apparent to me. And I'm going to ask you, can you help? And my friend said, for sure. And he called up another guy that I know. And they made an arrangement to go to the house of this man who's a firefighter. And when they went inside, they said the minute they walked in the door, they could feel it. The darkness, the, the evil that was there. And uh, they, they asked what's going on. And and the woman began to cry, and she said, I don't know, I don't know, but I just am out of control. I, I do things, I don't know why I'm doing them. I, I sometimes wake up and don't even know how I got to where I am. Then uh, the husband said, I'm in a place, I'm scared. By the way, this guy was big. He said, but she overpowers me. And all of a sudden, I'll look at her and her face will change. There's a different presence there. And he said, I got, I'm at the point I can't sleep. I'm afraid for myself. I'm afraid for my children. And I love her, but I don't know what to do. So my friend in that moment began to do what uh, we often do in that situation is pray silently. Uh, for God to reveal if there really is anything there. And as he began to pray, the woman's face changed. The personality was different. Her voice took on uh, a resonance that was beyond human. And she started manifesting the demonic. She was possessed. They prayed over her and cast the demon out. And then Everybody in that time felt like something did change and something was better. But the man who was with my friend said, hey, I think something else is going on. Let's stop. Wait. And they prayed again and another demon manifested and another demon manifested to the point that there ended up being five demons within this woman. That night, they cast all of them out. That night, she was set free. And that night, she, she changed completely. She came back to being that loving mom. She came back to being that caring wife. Her husband began to say, you know what, I, I, it's not my, my old wife has returned. She's new, she's better. And she was so in love with Jesus and he fell in love with Jesus. And they began to live their lives for Jesus. And all these years later, she's still free from that demonic presence. She's still that new woman in Jesus Christ. As they delved into what happened, they found out something. She had been attending a church that baptized for the dead. And every time she was baptized for the dead, she felt something take over. By the way, that church is called the Mormon Church, if you didn't know. And so each time she went through what she was taught to do, she lost control. She lost power. She lost an ability 
to, to live her life in freedom. And so what happened is the demons came each and every time she was baptized for the dead. She didn't know it. She thought she was doing the right thing. She had no idea how that would take a, and wreak havoc in her life. But she began to realize something was wrong. And, and then it got very wrong and very wrong and very wrong. What I want you to know is this. There was something demonic going on and she didn't know it. And for many people, there's something satanic going on and they don't know it. Now that's why we're in this series. But I want you to know what Paul was told by Jesus. He was given a mission, a very clear uh, uh, set of marching orders that you and I have too. And it's found in Acts 26 verse 17 where it says this. Uh, Jesus said to Paul, and this goes to you and me too as believers. Yes, I am sending you to Gentiles, to people who do not know God. I'm sending you to people who do not know God to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light. And look at this. And from the power of Satan to God, then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. So the Lord, the Lord says something to you and I. He says, you know what? If you're a believer, I want you to go and bring this message of freedom and hope and light and love. I want you to see people move from one kingdom to another and from the power of Satan to God. See, whether you know it or not, if someone is not a Christian, then they're in the power of the evil one. They may not know it, but that doesn't mean it's not happening. They may not know it, but that doesn't mean it's not true. And Jesus said, I want you to be aware of that. And just like this woman had a demonic presence there, Satan has a hold on people in many different ways through something that we, we call sin. See, Jesus warned there's a thief who's come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and life abundantly. And so many people are in the clutches uh, of an evil, and it's the thing behind the thing. See, that's what I want you to know. I'll bet every one of us at one point or another has said these words. I don't know why I said that. I don't know why I acted like that. Or have you ever said these words? I don't know where that came from. Well, while you and I are responsible for what we do and how we act and what we say and the motives behind them, what you need to know is there is an evil one who wants to hurt you, who wants to harm you. And what does he do? He brings deadly sins. Sins hurt. Sin kills. Sin destroys. It's the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And, and what I want you to be aware of in this series is that when you aren't a Christian, then you probably have a sin dominating your life amongst all sins. All sin is bad, but there may be one more than any other that's the thing behind the thing. Now, when you become a Christian, things change, but it doesn't mean you're completely you should uh, not, it does not mean you should not be aware of the struggle you may face. We'll get to that in a moment. So why are we in this series? Because there's so much I want you to know. I want you to know that there's so many things happening behind the scenes you may not even be aware of, but you can be set free from those. I want you to know that while all sin is deadly, each one of us probably has one of those seven deadly sins that is more the one we fight with than others. In other words, what you may be battling may be different than what I'm battling, but one of those seven deadly sins is probably more pronounced in your life. 
And so what I also want you to know is this, get ready, that when you come to Christ, Christ not only sets you free, he can take that sin and turn it into a virtue. Because there are seven beautiful virtues that Jesus has for you. And that weakness can become what? Your greatest strength. So the good news is there. But we need to be aware of the battle we're fighting. We need to be aware of what we're facing. Again, what I would say is a lot of people, they're unaware. They don't know. They don't know what's going on. But that doesn't mean it's not going on. It doesn't mean it's not true. You may be like a woman named Carlina White. Carlina White, when she was 19 days old, was kidnapped from a hospital. And what happened is she was raised for 23 years by a woman that she thought was her mom, but it was not her mom, it was her kidnapper. 23 years. And then it came out. The truth was revealed. And and here's what she said. She said, while I was shocked... She goes, somehow, some way, I knew something was wrong. She goes, there were points in my life I look back and I kept thinking, this doesn't seem right. But, but her mother kept telling her, no, I'm your mom. But she wasn't her mother, she was her kidnapper. And you know what's even so sad to me about this story? She was 45 miles away from a family that loved her and was looking for her. She didn't know it. 45 miles, that's not very far. And, and so many, many, many people I think are like her is that, that you probably are going through life and you think things are okay, but there's sometimes you stop and go, where did that come from? Why did I say that? Why is that there? And you can't always put your finger on it, but you know it's there. You know it's there. Uh, Ephesians chapter two is key to what we're gonna be studying And it's talking about before someone's a Christian and after someone's a Christian. And it says this, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. So everybody who's not a believer is dead. Uh, uh, So you know what that means? You're in a world of the walking dead. That's a little scary. Uh, There's a book I read one time, and it's an older book, but it was so good. It was called Angel Walk. And the book is about an angel that was in heaven that God would not permit to come to earth. And one day the Lord said to him, now is time. Now I'm going to allow you to go to the earth. Now why would God not permit this angel to go was because he, this angel, was, was someone who loved Lucifer. And he couldn't understand why Lucifer was considered so evil. And God would not allow him to earth until the day came where he would be able to see the evil that the devil had inflicted. And now this angel takes a walk on the earth, angel walk. And when this angel comes down to earth and looks, he screams in agony and screams in terror. Why? Because he looked around and everybody he saw looked like they were decaying, morbid beings. Now the Christians did it. He saw a few, the minority, manifesting life and walking around with joy and love inside them. But see, he didn't see the way you and I see. He saw people for who they really were, who they were spiritually. Now see, if you and I could see that way, you would realize that the vast majority of people are dead. They're dead. There's an old saying that I love. Please don't miss this. Jesus did not come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people alive. See, that's what he came to do for you and me. Yeah. 
So it goes on to say, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. Now, now I got to pause. Like, you can't miss that. Before you're a believer, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world. In other words, anybody who's not a Christian, that's what they're living in. They're living in sin, and they're obeying who? The devil. Now, again, you might say, well, they don't even know it, but that doesn't mean it's not true. Carlina White did not know that her mother was her kidnapper, but her mother was her kidnapper. Uh, a lot of people don't know. Again, why do I act the way I act? Why am I doing what I do? You know what's wrong. Uh, uh, how, come on, how many times have you, if you, you start thinking thoughts, you thought, why am I thinking those thoughts? I'm telling you, there's an enemy and he gets people to obey him. And it says, the commander of the powers of the unseen world is who Satan's called. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. So he's active in people's hearts who do not know God and do not obey God. And so what happens is we need to be set free from that. And it says, all of us used to live that way. Every single person who's not a Christian is living that way. And you and I who are our believers, we're to be different, we're to be changed, we're to be set free from living that way. See, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires, and this is the key line here, and inclinations of our sinful nature. See, again, I'm telling you, there's an inclination that's in, in you. Uh, there's an inclination in me, uh, even as a believer, and I'll show you that in a minute. But definitely for those who are not following God or are far from God, there's an inclination of their sinful nature that's taking a toll on them. It's hurting them and hurting others. See, that's what sin does. Sin isn't just like God saying, okay, that's wrong, don't do it. God is saying something more. He's saying sin hurts you. Sin hurts others. And when sin begins to take a stronghold in your life, you're in bondage to it. And Jesus has called you and I as believers to come and let people be set free from the kingdom of darkness and move into the kingdom of light, from the power of Satan to go to the power of God. God's great desire is to see us become alive in him and not dead to, to what we're doing. And he goes on to say this, by, your very, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. See, God gets angry when we sin. All of you who are parents, when your kids commit sin, I bet money you get angry. You don't go, oh, that's so sweet. They stole that thing. Oh, I just love the way they lie. They're so good at it. I love the way her, that little girl tortures her brother. Man, I'm going to help her get better at that. No, don't you get mad? By the way, let me ask you this. All of you who are parents, when you get mad, you get mad. Why? Because you love your kids. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. Now, hopefully you handle it correctly or else you have a deadly sin called wrath. We'll get to it in a minute. All junior high parents have that. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, the idea that God says is I don't want you to be that way. I don't want that to be a definition of your life. I don't want that to be the direction of your life. 
And so what Paul said is this. Don't forget, we're going to go back to it now. In Ephesians, he said, the people who are not not Christians are obeying the devil. They're obeying the devil. So every person, according to Ephesians 2, is either obeying God or they're obeying the devil. And the world is in the power of the devil. 1 John says this in 1 John 5, 19. We know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So we know that people who aren't in Christ are dead and we know that the devil is seeking to wreak havoc in what's going on in their life and we know that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And, and by the way, I've had people sometimes say like, well, if there's a loving God, why is the world like this? And the answer is the world, the world is not in the power of a loving God. We're in the sway of the evil one. And Jesus came to set us free. And when Jesus comes back, he comes to take dominion in the world and to overcome the devil. But right now, the reason the world is like it is is not because of God. And by the way, whether people know it or not, the vast majority have voted for the devil. Haven't they? They've voted for him because they've chosen to live for him and not for God. They've chosen to live away from God and not follow God. And so every person who does that is part of this, this idea of the power of the evil one in the world. And so Paul said, you know what? You need to know that people are obeying the devil. Now, again, they may not know it. That doesn't mean they're not doing it. Just like Carlina White. She didn't know it. But her life was dictated by a lie. Matter of fact, when I, I was reading about her, that's what she said. She goes, when I found out that I had been kidnapped, I realized my whole life was a lie. That's devastating, right? And a lot of people need to understand their whole life is, in the, you know, is a lie, and they're living in the power of the father of lies. Paul goes on to say in Ephesians 2, they're following the passionate desires and inclinations of a sinful nature. I, I want you to think about that. Passionate desires and inclination of a sinful nature. And so what we're saying is, while all sin is bad and all sin is wrong, there are seven deadly sins, and one of those might be the one that you struggle with the most. I want you to think about that as we dig into that now into the coming weeks. But the first of those deadly sins is pride. Now, I'm going to pause there, because let me say this to you, because many of you already know this. Uh, there is the fruit of the Spirit that we know is, is from God, the Holy Spirit brings fruit in your life. And almost all of you know the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. Okay, you, you're right. Most people who study that passage that talk about the fruit of the Spirit would say this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, and then all of the others that are listed flow from love. Does that make sense? So the fruit of the Spirit is love, and also goodness, patience, gentleness, kindness, self, you know, all the others are there too. And they are fruits, but they all flow out of love. Now, now the reason I'm going into that is this. All of the deadly sins flow out of pride. All the deadly sins flow out of pride. By the way, I think it's so intriguing that very often we'll, we'll talk about the deadly sins and someone will go, oh, mine's pride. And we'll go, oh, yeah. Like, oh, it's not that big a deal. What if I walked out here and said, oh, my deadly sin's adultery and I'm committing adultery all the time. How many of you would go, oh, good job, Pastor Chuck. You're the guy we want to follow. But if I said, hey, I struggle with pride, you'd go, so? 
You know why? Because we all do. It's pretty hard for most of us to point the finger because you know why? There are three more pointing back at us. Pride is a deadly sin. And next week, I cannot wait to take you into the depths of what the Word of God says about why God said it hurts you and hurts others so badly. So we all have pride, and, and that might be definitely an inclination that's even more pronounced than some people than others. The second of the deadly sins is lust. And lust is, a, is not only a deadly sin, we live in a world that fuels the fires of lust and that passion that's there. The third deadly sin is gluttony. Which, by the way, is the one that we tend to also overlook in the church. You know, and I want to get really honest with you here. I have over the years preached on how gluttony is a sin and how we need to be freed from it. And I know some of you are looking and going, Chuck, what about you? Let me tell you, that is my inclination. Uh, but here's the wild thing. Whenever I publicize I'm going to preach on it, church attendance goes down. Now, think about that. If I, go, if I say, I'm preaching on drunkenness and addiction, we'll be fine. If I say, I'm going to talk about being overweight, people are like, I'm not going. I don't want to face this one. But it's, by the way, not just overweight. We'll get into the depths of that that one is too. Uh, number four on the seven deadly sins is greed. Uh, and so many people struggle with that. Uh, number five on the seven deadly sins is sloth. Uh, which that one's going to be a fun one to talk about because I don't think we think about that one very often. I, you know, whenever I say, hey, what's your deadly sin? Most people don't even know that's on the list. But a lot of people struggle with that and we want to see you be set free from it. Uh, number six on the list of seven deadly sins is wrath. And I know I'm going to say this again, but I think I've got to say it now. Um, and some of you have heard me say this before. When I first started doing actual counseling with people, that was my, my biggest shock. How many people's lives are being hurt and destroyed by uncontrolled anger? And uh, uh, by the way, I, I don't want to get too far off, but what happens to you who have this issue is over the course of time, you're so given to anger that your amygdala, which is fueling that anger, just ignites quicker than other people's. By the way, it doesn't mean you're not responsible. You're completely responsible. But you've got to train your brain the right way. And it's doable, especially in Christ. It's doable. But a lot of people, man, all of a sudden, they're, they're, they're amygdala. And your amygdala is a part of your brain that doesn't think. It just sends out chemicals, you know. And uh, uh, a lot of people are are struggling. It's a, a brain issue. Uh, number seven uh, is envy. And so that jealousy, that envy that's out there ruins and hurts and destroys. And, and, and so God says, these all hurt you and they all hurt others. And so here's the question we're going to try to make sure we can all answer. What would be the inclination? Remember Paul said in Ephesians 2 that we have inclinations which one are you most inclined to? Which one is more, I'm going to even use the word habitual. In other words, bam, it just ignites and goes. And uh, it would be worth delving into. I do think that some of you may be surprised as we go into the study and think that it's one of them and you might decide it's another one. Uh, but we're going to get into that and we're going to try to help you understand that and see that. I would say it would be worth uh, asking people around you. 
Uh, if you're married, ask your spouse, which one do you think is me? Uh, and then, you know, hopefully they'll want to know which one you think is them. And then hopefully you won't get in too big a fight over it. But, um, or a, a friend, ask a close friend, say, hey, which one do you think that, that is there? And, and, and I'd, I'd like to have you help me with that. And, and I'd like to get freed from that. So one of those is your inclinations. One of those is the desire that it's not good, that's being fueled by a satanic enemy. And uh, you know what? Jesus wants you free. You know, just like Carlina White was 45 miles from freedom, let me say this. Every single one of us are a prayer from freedom. But that prayer is reaching out to a God who is all-powerful, all-loving, and who could not be more for you. And so God wants that to be what happens. See, when we come to Christ, what happens is we become new, we become different, and we become free. Now, I know some of you might be saying, but wait a minute, I'm going to get all honest. Uh, before I was a Christian, I know I struggled with, and you'll name one of those, and now after I'm a Christian, I still find that being a temptation. I still find that being a battle. Now, does that mean I'm not a Christian? Well, Paul answers that question in Romans chapter 7. We're going to le- read a pretty big chunk of scripture, but I want you to see what he said in Romans chapter 7. Paul said, so the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. Where's the trouble? The trouble's with me. For I am too, all too human, slave to sin, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. By the way, anybody else that way? All right, come on, you got to be, right? How many of you said, I'm never going to do that again, and an hour later you do it? Yeah, yeah, okay. No, how many times? No more. And then you, there's more. And Paul said, that's the battle we fight. It doesn't mean you're not a believer. What is the difference between the believer and the non-believer in this moment? Is the believer is fighting the battle and the non-believer is probably going with the flow. So you started swimming upstream on this thing and you're going to make progress. Uh, Paul goes, but if I know what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree with the law that it is good. In other words, every time I go, man, why am I doing that? It's so wrong. I'm actually saying, God, you're so good and you're so right. That, that's a good thing. It says, so I am not the one doing the wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. Now, Paul said, that's a battle I'm fighting. And then he says, but I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And notice how he goes on in this section. He said, I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. Now notice it's not an issue. He doesn't love God and love God's law. He goes, I love God's law with all my heart. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. And Paul says this, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will set me free from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. Thank God there's an answer. 
And what is the answer? The answer is who? Let's say it together. The answer is Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Now, Paul said this in Romans. They said that, that who can set me free from this? And the answer is Jesus Christ. Who can make the change? The answer is the Lord. And the Lord does do that. The Lord does bring transformation. The Lord does uh, bring freedom for us. So in Ephesians, we, remember we started in Ephesians 2. Paul said, here's the problem. Here's the before problem. Before you were a Christian, you were in the power of the devil. Before you were a Christian, you had these inclinations to sin. You could not seem to overcome. And he said, but there's a change that happens when you are a Christian. So now we'll pick up in Ephesians 2 verse 4 where he says, but God is so rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. Now let's stop there. So let's say you have a problem with one of those seven deadly sins and you say, Lord, I'm never going to do that one again. And you do it again. Will God stop loving you? What's the answer? No. Do you have to earn God's love? No. Why did God give you this grace? Because he loved you. So in other words, it's not, the series is not about, well, if you, you know, can, can go seven days without this problem, then God will love you more. Let me tell you what, God could not love you more than he does. But that love can be the key that gets you free. That love can be the key that brings the transformation. So it talks on where Paul says this, for he, God, raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. And that's where we begin to see the virtue take over from the sin that's happening and God wants that for you. So God can point to us in, uh, to point to us in all future ages as examples of incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united united with, uh, with Christ Jesus. I think that's so cool how he keeps bringing up that idea. By the way, it's really important to notice this. In Ephesians 2, 1 to 3, when it talks about before we're in Christ, he never mentions Jesus. And then after we're in Christ, he keeps uh, talking about united with Christ, united with Christ, united with Christ. It's a whole new way to live, a whole new way to be who God wants us to be. So God saved you by his grace when you believed. When do you get saved? By the way, when you believe, when you really believe. This isn't a head knowledge, this is heart knowledge. This is where in your heart you believe in the Lord. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. And then it says in verse 9, for we are God's masterpiece. Let me stop there. So when we're in this series on seven deadly sins, is it about beating you up? No. Is it about making you feel horrible? No. It's about having you understand the incredible thing that God wants to do in your life and how your greatest weakness can become your greatest strength. How the sin that was your inclination can now become the greatest virtue in your life. 
Why? Because of Christ Jesus. And God wants you to be his masterpiece. God has designed you to be a masterpiece. And he's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. And when you begin to understand that virtue side of who you are, you can begin to live out more and more uh, this incredible life that God wants you to have. Because everybody who's in Christ Jesus and united with Christ is made to live this way. And that's what God wants you to discover. You see, here's what I do want you to know. God made everyone to be virtuous. God made everyone to be virtuous. Ecclesiastes 7.29 says this. It says, but I did find this. God created people to be virtuous. Can't be more plain than that, right? But they each have turned to follow their own downward path. So what we're going to talk about is how to get on the upward path, how to move in a new direction, how to have this be what God wants you to experience. And when you're on that path, it's an amazing place to be. Proverbs 16, 17 says this. It says in Proverbs 16, 17, the path of the virtuous leads away from evil and whoever follows that path is safe. So as we talk about this new way of living, it's about moving from the, the, the inclinations of evil to the love of virtue. From the weaknesses that plague you to the strength God gives you. From the bondage you're in to the freedom you'll experience. That's what God wants to have happen. And it begins to create a change in us. And so that upward path begins to take over. And so what we begin to see is we go from the seven deadly sins to the seven what's called cardinal virtues. And you go from pride to humility, which by the way, humility is awesome. Uh, There's even two or three studies that have been done that show that humble people tend to have far more success in life than prideful people. Uh, And so we want to show you that. Uh, You go from number two, lust to chastity. Uh, By the way, most people don't understand that word. By the way, a lot of the virtues people don't even understand. Why? We've quit using them because we've lost them. But you're going to understand humility and chastity as we go through this study. And then number three, you go from gluttony to temperance. Uh, and temperance is awesome. Uh, temperance could cause your life to, to take on incredible joy. I, that, that's what I want you to know. When you are in gluttony, then you're weighed down. And you'll understand more when I get there. When you're in temperance, everything's a feast. Everything's a feast. Everything's better. It's amazing how God changes that around. Uh, Number four, you go from greed to charity. Uh, By the way, uh, that word is not completely understood either. You might kind of think you know what it means, but when we dig into that virtue more, I think you're going to see how incredible it is and how broad it is and how, how sweeping it is in your life. And number five, you go from sloth to diligence. Uh, and I, sloth's going to be fun to preach on. Number six, wrath to patience. I can't think of a time in my life I've ever said, oh, I really regret I was patient. Any parent here go, oh man, I'm really bummed how I, when I was patient with my kids. You know what? Patience is powerful. And I would say this, are you Ready? Only the minority really have patience. And I believe all of us can be a part of that minority that's living in the power of the Holy Spirit in an incredible way. And number seven, you go from envy to gratitude. 
Uh, and so these are become your strengths, humility, chastity, temperance, charity, diligence, patience, and gratitude. And, and I think you can't even miss how what Proverbs said is that that is the path of the virtuous. That is the way to live that's incredible. And, and whenever you follow that path, it's safe. By the way, the word safe probably needs to be accentuated. You live a life where you feel secure. And when you feel secure, what do you have? You have peace. And when you have peace, you're going to have something else, joy. And God wants that to be you. That God's great desire is for that to be how you live. And so God's great desire is for you and I to understand that and to cherish that and to live in that. But there's an enemy who wants to rob you from that. He wants to control you. And it's as old as the beginning of time. When uh, Adam and Eve were living in an incredible relationship with God in a place called Eden, which was paradise, the word Eden actually means pleasure. They were in a place of infinite pleasure and incredible joy, walking with God, living in paradise. And there was an enemy who wanted to rob them from all of that. And so what happens in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, it says this, Now the serpent, who's the devil, was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he, the devil, said to the woman, Indeed, as God said, you shall not eat from any tree in the garden. Which, by the way, he's, he's toying with her. He's trying to dominate her. He's trying to lure her in. And the woman said to the serpent, who's the devil, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you'll die. And in verse three, the serpent said to the woman, you, shall, you surely will not die. Now he lied. The minute she took a bite, she started dying. She was dying. He lied to her. And see, that's what I want you to know. It's kind of like Carlina White. Her mother, her mother lied to her and said, I'm your mom. She wasn't her mom. She's 45 miles away from a family that loves her, cares about her, that wants to give her all the dreams and hopes that they had when she was born. And, and you know what is, she knew it was wrong. She knew something wasn't right. She knew it wasn't there. And Satan knows how to keep doing the same things over and over again. See, a lot of people don't realize that they're dying or they're dead. I, uh, I've talked before about my friend Jack, who's with the Lord today. But Jack went in just to get his, he kind of was feeling tired and went to the doctor to say, has anything wrong? And the doctor looked at him and said, Jack, you're going to die. And he said, well, I know I'll die someday. He said, no, Jack, you're a breath away. Your lungs are done. You're going to take a breath and exhale, and you're not going to be able to breathe again. He said, Jack, I don't want to scare you. I just want you to know the truth. You're going to drown. You're going to suffocate, just like you were underwater. And you won't be able to take another breath and you're gone. Jack, when he heard that, by the way, wasn't a Christian. And I went to see him. And he looked at me and said, Chuck, I don't know when the next one is. And I said, well, God does. 
But I can tell you this, that if you know the Lord, you're going to exhale. And when you can't inhale again, you're going to be in heaven soon. If you know the Lord. By the way, Jack didn't realize how bad he was. Someone had to open his eyes. And some people don't realize how, how, how devastating their situation really is. Uh, Romans 6 verse 23 says this. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. See, whenever we live in one of those seven deadly sins or all sin, we're living in the midst of death. But it says you don't have to live that way. Jesus will come and turn it to a virtue. Jesus will come and create change. Jesus said, I've got a whole new purpose in the way I want to live with you. So in John 10, 10, we see these words. Jesus said the thief's purpose the devil's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Why are we doing this series in part, ready? Because I'm believing that as we study together, you and I will more than ever live a rich and satisfying life. You'll live. You'll live. You'll be more free. You'll have more power because the power of the Holy Spirit will come and begin to move in your heart and life. So right now, I want to ask you to think about this. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of Jesus Christ is life. Jesus said, some are being ripped off, and you may not even know it. Some are dying, you may not even know it. You're the dead. But he said, I've come that you might have a rich and satisfying life. Another way, another translation says, life and life abundantly. Right now, some of you, are you ready for this? You're a prayer away from that happening. Just like Carlina White was 45 miles away from a family who would love her, a family that would actually be her family, a place where she'd be in freedom and not bondage, where she'd have truth and not the lie. Some of you are a prayer away from that. You're even closer than 45 miles. Uh, but I want to say this, you might be about 12 inches away where your head will finally accept it and it goes to your heart. And you just begin to open up your heart to the Lord. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone, if anyone, no matter what you've done, no matter who you've been, no matter how you've acted, if anyone would open up to me, I would come in and share life with him. And have a relationship that's real. And not religious, real. So right now, some of you need to either commit or recommit your life to the Lord. You need to open up. Because everything we're going to study is going to matter. But it won't have the power and it won't have the meaning if you're not in a relationship with Jesus. Because the, this is a moment where Jesus could say this. Some of you who don't know me, you're dead, but now you're about to come to life. And by the way, all of us who are Christians will go, there really is that, that it's true. It's true, when you come to know the Lord, it's, oh man, you begin to live. Some of you need to make that decision for the first time. Some of you need to come back to the Lord. Some of you need to do that as a, uh, as a group of friends, or, or if you're a married couple, some of you need life in your marriage. But I'm gonna ask you to pray this prayer with me where you commit, where you open up to the Lord, and where you say, come in. You could do it here, you could do it online, on the patio, but you know what? Right now, I'm going to ask you to think about it. Are you ready to say yes to him? Let's pray. And if you love the Lord, would you pray for people to open their hearts to the Lord? 
Lord, we know you love us. And we know, Jesus, it's only by your grace that we're saved and we're changed and we're new and we're alive. But it's grace. Right now, it just needs to be received, not earned, received. Right now, for some, this is a moment where they need to open up to you. Some for the first time, some to recommit. Uh, Lord, there are some people in the room, if they got honest, their pride is killing them. Wrath and anger needs to be put aside. They can't do it on their own. They need you. There's some, Lord, who can't stop these uncontrolled impulses. But now with your spirit can come that, that control. Lord, there's some here who just, Lord, they, it's time. And they deep down know it. They've, they've, they have asked that question. Why did I say that? Why did I think like that? Why did I do that? And now they can become not only aware of the danger of the sin, they can also now become aware of the beauty of the light, of the joy that comes from you, of what it means to live a life that has real meaning and purpose. Right now, I'm praying for some of you to say yes to the Lord, either here or online or on the patio. I'm praying and praying for you, but I'm gonna ask you to do this. Pray a prayer with me. So here's the question. Are you ready to say yes? Are you ready to open up? If so, pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me, and I know you died on the cross for me, and you died for my sin. So please forgive me. Please cleanse me. Please set me free. And please make me yours. Make me yours. Because I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me. So take me now and make me yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And amen means the truth. And if you pray that prayer and you're online, I want you to text amen to 77247. Let us know who you are so we can pray for you, so we can give you some things to help you grow in the Lord. Make sure and text in or go to crossroadschurch.family.